Hi, and welcome to Humans Behind the Ads, a podcast of real stories about people who work in the advertising industry and what it's really like behind the scenes. Sponsored by Small Army. I'm your host, Paul Dome, head of content production at Small Army here in Boston. Today, I'm speaking with Janelle Murphy. She is a video producer at Small Army. Janelle, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, happy to have you on the show. So you are a video producer. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me where your career started. Were you always working in advertising and production? I was always working in production, not necessarily advertising specifically. So I started out on the production company side. It started in high school. I took a Uh-oh. TV production class. There we go. And I had an awesome teacher, and I got super into that, and I just knew, like, that's what I'm going to do. So, wow. And in high school, you knew? Actually, even before that. This is, like, going We're back. going way back, This is know? kind of, like, the 80s. Okay. <laughs> there was a show, which I actually looked it up again before this, called Kid Songs. Do you remember that show? I It was, vaguely. like, 1985, like, maybe? Or, like, <laughs> like, mid-80s. I remember watching that when I was, like, in early elementary school. And it, basically, if you haven't seen it, it's a bunch of probably elementary school kids that come across an abandoned TV studio, like a soundstage. Because those are just everywhere these days, right? And they, like, produce and make their own shows, and they're, like, you know, there's camera guys, there's grips and electrics and all of the, like, every crew position possible, but it's all, like, 10-year-old kids doing it. And it just looked so fun, and I remember being obsessed with that show, even though it looks horrendously 80s now, (laughs) but it's... I'd say that was the show that like kind of piqued my interest, and I was like, oh, that looks like a fun thing to do for a job. I majored in film production and photography, double wow. majored, and then did an internship in L.A., and that's how I started my L.A. days, and then I just stayed there for six years so you, after. Yeah, so you grew up in Massachusetts, Massachusetts yep. high school in Massachusetts area. Yep, and then moved and to New Hampshire in high school. Moved to New Hampshire. And then went back to college in Massachusetts. And then you're like, I got this great internship in L.A.? Yep. And this was a production internship? Yep. It was at a, a Radical Media, actually. It was um, a music video and commercial production company. Nice. So I did a lot of fun things there. Yeah. So <laughs> what kind of um, what kind of things were you doing, you said, in L.A.? You said music videos? Yeah, it was. I know this was back when music videos were more of a thing. Yeah. Um, but it are was, they no longer a thing? Not so much. I don't think they are, yeah. which is too bad. I know. It is. Those were probably the most fun jobs I ever worked on were all of the music videos. Oh, my God. I yeah. need to, We need to know more about this. Did I you know. meet anybody famous? You must have. Lots of people, actually. Okay. So there's some... It's funny because a lot of the music videos, when they were for female artists, like female singers, since I would generally be one of the only girls on set, I would be their stand-in, which was fun because I would basically just pretend to be them and <laughs> hang out in their clothes and in their... Do everything with them, which was cool. What does but, for those that don't know what a stand-in is? So they'll have someone stand in, but they need someone that's similar height and coloring and hair styles and basically like a similar body type to stand in for that person. So even if I didn't look exactly like the person, I was the only female build <laughs> person. Yeah, so you got and, the part. Yeah, and some of them actually so Avril Levine is super short. So she's actually like the same size as me. Okay. And pink is also the same size as me. She's like an inch taller. I would not so, have thought Yeah, she's was... tiny. Yeah. yeah. So those two I stood Did you get to meet actually... them or yeah. were you just like... I met everyone. I were... I was like literally in their trailer hanging out with them. <laughs> and this is like and... as in, this is in your internship. You must have thought, I hit the jackpot of a career. Yeah. I mean, it started off at my internship and then I ended up freelancing. So the whole time I was in LA, I was freelancing. So it was, I bounced around different production companies and different music videos. So some of this was during my internship, but a lot of it was just 
freelance life afterwards. So. Yeah. And what kind of things does a production intern do? Like, what does a PA do? Um, well, so since the company, it depends on the companies, I feel like, because sometimes you're literally just getting coffees and being the stereotypical intern, but then in others, you're actually on set and being a PA. Like, sometimes if you were on set, you'd actually get paid as a PA, even if you were, because the internships were all unpaid. Okay. So it was like your work experience days were actually paid, which was cool. But you'd just be doing anything any other PAs would be doing. Like, you'd be going on runs, like picking up stuff, helping any department. A lot of art department always needs help, so. And art department, there may be listeners here that yep. are so in the production world <laughs> that they know every little word you're saying. Yeah. But there may be people who, who for uh, for whom this is kind of a first foray into, mm-hmm. like, what does, what does a video producer do in some of the terms? So yep. I may ask you, like, you said art department. Yeah. That's not people in, like colored pencils and crayons no. and paints. And it's also not the same as like an art director, which is like agency terms versus like production company. So There's so much to go over. Yeah. We, don't, we don't have enough time so for this. Art department <laughs> on set is are the people that make the sets and buy the props and like food stylists and anything, anyone that arranges like the visual things on set. Okay. And they also make the magic happen, which, you know, there's all the little tricks of the trade and stuff in there where... Yeah. You learn a lot of fun tricks that you would never know otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I think those are really cool. So were there any crazy moments uh, during any of those music videos? Like, there, there must like have been... like, only crazy moments yeah, okay. in music videos. So maybe start there. Like, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like and what are some sure. of the memories you have? I mean, it's definitely different. Like, every type of production is very different. So I feel like commercial production is way different than music video production. You're dealing with, like, egos and celebrities and crazy writers and like bizarre locations and th- the things that you need to find if so I was actually we need some I know I mean we <laughs> so need many details. you just so put many so stories. much on the table right now and everyone listening is like oh my gosh I please tell me she's going to talk about some celebrity or some crazy writer yeah. or something so she had to get at like four in the morning so I'm going to just let you talk okay for a while. so there's a couple stories out of this one particular shoot 30 seconds to Mars did a music video called City of Angels and it's not just, like, a typical music video. They made, like, a little documentary thing out of it, so it's, like, 12 minutes long. But there was a really tiny crew, and it was, I think, four nights, like, overnight shoots. So our call times were, like, 1 in the morning, and we'd shoot for, like, 16 hours and then go home for a few hours, come back. We kept doing that. Ooh. It was – most of it was shot at the Griffith Observatory, which, if you haven't been to LA, it's, like, one of the yeah, big touristy attractions. Yeah, so mm-hmm. there's – we're at the top of that – overlooking like the cityscape of LA so that's where like the basis of this music video took place wow but there was only a handful of us it was a really small crew and so I ended up somehow being art department like on the call sheet I'm actually listed as art director slash production coordinator what would you have been listed as so I feel like you need to watch this video to see the extent of it but so google it afterwards but or youtube it um so it's they made it sort of a documentary style, so it's a music video mixed with interviews of a bunch of different celebrities, and it's basically like the gritty, like, what does what is L.A. and what does it mean to you? There were some celebrities, but then there were literal, like, homeless people that we picked off the street and were like, we'll give you, like, 200 bucks if you're in this video, and all of, you know, the impersonators, like, near, like, the Walk of Fame, how there's superhero guys and, sure. you know, everyone in costume and stuff, so we picked a couple of those people that They are, must have loved that. But then we interviewed them. So we interviewed all of these people, including from, like, celebrities through homeless people we picked up on the street and, like, some of these normal people and some of these character peoples outside the Chinese theater. And just, like, the stuff we got out of them is so, like, 
amusing and I don't know it's just it blows your mind that like all of the it's literally LA in a nutshell and that's exactly what they wanted this video to be so it's mm -hmm. I don't know it, it holds a, a nice place in my heart <laughs> yeah nice did you ever have to do any of the, the sort of typical things like all the same color M&Ms or anything oh, like yes. that most definitely the writers definitely for all the music videos there's some ridiculous things and mm -hmm. it's usually people you wouldn't expect to or the ones you would think would have super high maintenance requests were totally cool and like down to hang out and talk to everyone and then the people that weren't even that big at the time had like 13 page writers which 13 page writers yeah. and a writer is normally it's the like things, a page a page two. and a, a writer for someone that doesn't know yeah it's the stuff in a contract usually for celebrities where there's you hear like they need a bowl of green m&ms and like a specific type of champagne or just the their requests they're like high maintenance requests that they require in order to show up and work and they're usually That's what thing, a yeah and they, they're things that are in their trailer yep. or in their dressing room or wherever they're sort yep. of going to be for the day they want to mm -hmm. have their creature comforts oh yeah and they can get pretty extreme right you said one yes. is 13 pages yep and this was before she was even famous i don't know Technically, if I can drop names, because it was like maybe we definitely some NDAs in there. Yeah, <laughs> let's not drop names. But yeah. um, someone who's famous now, but was like a backup singer for other people, she showed up like seven hours late to her shoot, and she did make it into the final video because it was a compilation video of a bunch of different artists, and she's in there for like I don't know ten seconds maybe, and she showed up seven hours late and had a thirteen-page writer. And how long was the shoot that she was supposed to be there for? Um, well, the whole shoot day was probably 16 hours, but she was supposed to be there, I think, like, four or five hours. So she had a 13-page writer mm -hmm. for a four-hour shoot, yeah. and she was seven hours late yeah. to it? And the thing about that, even though it's, she's on set for four hours, or she's, you know, required to be there for four hours, that includes hair and makeup and stuff, so she's really only in front of a camera for, like, an hour of that. How can you even begin to use one of your 13 pages of your writer? And it was, like... Mass chaos when we couldn't What was on the writer? Can, we, we had, can like, you share some of the stuff that was so on the writer? One of them was like a specific type of Tabasco sauce that she needed. Okay. There were some specific types of candles and colors and scents that needed to be in there, some specific flowers. We had to get blankets and pillows for the inside of the trailer to like deck out, you know, make it like cozy to her standards. Okay. And it was like a certain neon colored pink fuzzy pillow with like no stitching and no like embellishments on it like just the most bizarre stuff we had pas like at every like walmart target home goods like we're like sending text like group text pictures being like is this considered that color pink like this one has some like sequins on it we can't do that one and the same thing for like champagne like different types of alcohol that they want on set like wow. there's it's just ridiculous like the amount of stuff that some people want and of course she didn't touch like any of it because she showed up seven hours late but and she was only there for a couple hours yeah and i think a lot of it too it's just to be able to say that they can have it. Like, a lot of times we would deck out their trailers, motorhomes, with whatever their, you know, contract required, but then they would never even touch it. So it's wow. just like, oh, we just went through all of this and spent, like, a crap ton of money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just sitting there. But then that worked out because being a PA on that set, you could always take home all of the stuff. So I got a lot of expensive bottles of wine and champagne and all the goodies left over because I was the one dealing with it. That's amazing. <laughs> Did you ever get any, like, set pieces or wardrobe? Oh, yeah. Or? My whole apartment when I was in, like, PA was basically decked out in, um, like, furniture and decor. And I had some, like, wardrobe that I took home from set. Like, everything. Like, especially music videos because they were the most elaborate set decorations and stuff. If you couldn't return it or if we actually used it, then they would just either donate it all to Goodwill or 
give it to the crew being like, hey, whoever wants this? Like, mm-hmm. who wants a rug? Who wants a coach? Who wants these, like, five dresses? <laughs> like, it was just a free-for-all. Wow, so. you're living the dream. I know. You actually it must make have been pretty, pretty amazing. good, yeah. like, in a way. That must have been a pretty amazing experience. It was. It was really fun. Yeah. So when you told people back home that you're working in production, mm-hmm. what did you tell them that a producer does? There's, like... Not a set job description for that. I feel like that's part of it is that it's not like, oh, I go to work every day and I do some, you know, Excel sheets and whatever. It's it's the most bizarre <laughs> job description, I feel like. And it's just like if you look at the Google search history of my browsers, it's you're like, who the hell is this person? What are they doing? <laughs> like looking up like swing dancers and baby goats and like just the most bizarre things like what? How do you make fake cocaine? Because that came up before. <laughs> Wait, how do you make fake cocaine? How do you make it's, fake it's cocaine? It's either cornstarch or powdered vitamins. You, like, break open the capsules. So a producer um, probably wears a lot of different hats. I mean, what are yeah. you ultimately responsible for? A lot of it is just you have an idea that is given to you, like, from creative department or an agency or a director or mm-hmm. whoever it may be. And then the producer is the one responsible for actually making it happen. So it's a lot of booking crews and you know sourcing like props and figuring out all this weird stuff that you need to create like if someone wants a jetpack out of the middle of thin air in 12 hours like you're the one that has to deal with that <laughs> and make it happen so you're 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 literally the person that has to create it make it happen like yeah. that's that's the as yep. simple it is of a job chaos description. coordinator chaos coordinator do yep. you like do you function well in chaos i think so i like it it's like a challenge because you're like who else could freaking pull off finding all of this stuff on no time out of the blue with, like, no resources and no context. You're just like, oh, you need this? Sure. Uh, uh, how – I would imagine that would be so stressful. Most people most people would be running around, like, with their blood pressure just, like, through the roof, yeah. pulling their hair out, and not sleeping at night. You have such a calm and collected <laughs> temperament. Thanks. Like, how do you do it? I mean, I think when you first start out, it is definitely more stressful it, because you're like – is this, like, a normal thing? Like, people expect this? Then you you realize, like, yes, you're in production. Like, you are the one that is expected to do all of this. So then it's just, you just get used to dealing with the most bizarre requests. I have to go back to something. You yep. mentioned something about a baby goat. Yes. And <laughs> I feel like that wasn't just a throwaway comment. There's Is there a story behind the baby goat? That was just another one of those random requests. So there's a story behind urgent. the baby goat. Yeah. Well, the funny thing you is... You say it so casually. <laughs> well, so matter, that's my life. Like, I know, it's, but it's amazing yeah. because, like... You're you're saying these things that seem so normal. That's so like, oh yeah, we had to get a goat. We had to talk to the motorcycle guy and then the jetpack guy. These yeah. are things that many people would never imagine that they have to do in a day. Yep. And for you, it's sort of like, all right, well, I guess yeah. I'll just do that. Yep. So let's talk about the baby goat. <laughs> okay. What? Where did it come? Why did you need a baby yeah, goat so for what was it? The baby goat used for what was, was so. This was when I was working at an ad agency. And it was an internal project, so it wasn't this even... This in Boston? When you in Boston, it? yeah. Okay. So it wasn't even, like, a crazy client request. It was, like, internal. We were like, you know what would be cool? <laughs> a baby goat, and can we shoot it tomorrow? <laughs> this oh. was... We literally were shooting it over the weekend because it was, like, a surprise video. So we did a work trip every year, and we always had a video that was, like, presented at our company meeting. Sure. And it was always a surprise, so really only the production department, which was, like, two to three people, knew about it and had to coordinate and shoot everything for all of this. And so one of the ideas involved a baby goat. <laughs> okay. So, you know, doing what I do, I found a baby goat. <laughs> was there anyone that said maybe we shouldn't, maybe a baby goat's too ambitious for this project? I mean, we definitely were, again, or was it... this also goes back to the browser history thing, but we were also looking up, like, 
goat huff costumes. Like, yeah. <laughs> because part of it was like, well, what if we, if we can't get a goat, then if we can at least fake, like, a goat arm. These are conversations that we have at work. <laughs> Amazing. So we're like, okay, so here's the goat arm. <laughs> if we, like, frame it like this and... We'll just make it cheesy on purpose. Like, it doesn't need to look real if we can't find it. So we had, like, our backup plan. <laughs> but it was, yeah, like, that's just a day in the life. <laughs> and how did, wh- where did you get the goat? So you, you just Googled was, goats? I mean, where, where pretty much it was Googling farms nearby, petting zoos, those, like, mobile petting zoos that go to kids' parties. That was ultimately where we ended up getting one. But it was a lot of, a lot of calls to random people, and especially usually when you call people that aren't involved in production they don't get like the urgency of it or they're kind of like freaked out when you're like you know you'll call them they'll be like oh is this for next month or what month and we're like no like tomorrow before two o'clock and most of them are like um no sorry. we need your goat before tomorrow yeah like literally in 12 hours from right now can you get a goat here so you need by the way we're in downtown boston like, so you needed it in 12 hours it was, this was on a Friday and we were shooting it Saturday because we couldn't shoot it during the week because it was a secret project. So no one in the office, because we shot it at the office. I mean, don't go. So we brought a goat into like downtown Boston and smuggled him into our building. <laughs> yeah. Don't goats have a weekend? I mean, do they not need time to re- recharge and relax? They, they like to work. All right. So you found a farm or a petting zoo, yep. mobile petting zoo, yep. and you just called them up and said, hi, we need your goat tomorrow. Yep. Did you pay them? Yes. Of okay. Course we did. All right. Yeah. She was happy to do it, too, and she was pumped about it, like the owner of this petting zoo place. <laughs> so it all worked out. So it all worked out. Yep. Have you learned any, like, producer tricks along the way? Like, is there anything on set that you're like, is you said, like, oh, we're just going to fake the oh, yeah. hoof? There's lots of faking things. So when we see ads, are, is it is it a lot? It's almost all fake. It's all like... <laughs> sorry, folks. Yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry to push your bubble here. All right, so what... Magic. There must be little tricks that you've learned. Yeah. Can you so, share some of them? Sure. So I know I've done a lot of food shoots, like fast food, like, you know, Wendy's, McDonald's, all of that, like the burgers and all of that stuff. Are those are... Are the... A lot of times it's fake, or at least parts of it are Uh-oh. fake. Uh-oh. I mean, because you just figure, like, if you put lettuce under hot lamps all day, it's going to get, like, wilty and gross. So, like, a lot of it is fake. Um, or if it is real, it has things done to it to make to it look fresh. It. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. but... legally, I'm sure they can't rep- misrepresent their product and have right. something that's like not what you're going to yeah. eat. But you're right. If it's under heat and it's been yeah. sitting out all day. Things get gross. And things get gross. And, and it's going to be, and... yeah, you wouldn't want to eat that. Yeah, so it's so... kind of a fine line of like, you got to make it look good. Yep. You got to doctor it a little bit, but you can't it fake it. It has to look real still. It has to yeah. still be somewhat real. So on that note, for example, yeah. milk is usually almost always Elmer's glue. Milk is Elmer's glue. Usually, because regular milk will turn yellow and get kind of nasty looking. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> lumpy, so a lot of times they will do that. Or, again, going off the food thing. Mm-hmm. One time on one of the commercial shoots I was on, when we were turning in our wrap for the project, like all of our receipts and everything to accounting, some receipts from the art department got kicked back for economy-sized box of tampons. <laughs> and they were okay. like, um, what is what? this for? Like, is this, was this supposed to be in these receipts? So we actually had, because like, we didn't even know, this was like art department's receipts. It wasn't production. So we were like, you have to I justify don't know. So we to... had to like call art department and be like, hey guys, like we need you to justify this like jumbo uh, box of tampons. tampons from... and, and like, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someone is, but, and again, is everybody most okay? Most of the time it's all dudes on set. Like it's, so we're like, okay, there's, it wasn't me. <laughs> I'm one of the only girls here. So what's the deal with the big box of tampons? And it came back that 
it's like a trick of the trade where if you wet a tampon and microwave it and you put it behind any of your food products or like hot drinks, they'll steam for hours. So anytime you see like steam in a commercial, like in a food commercial, there's usually a wet hot tampon Come on. behind it, like behind a coffee cup or that's behind like a plate of food that's steaming. Amazing. Yeah, because I mean, think about it. If you're shooting something for hours, it's not going to steam. You're not going to replace something every like 30 seconds when the steam stops. So they're like, we have to fake it. Do you ever feel like you are a trained magician? Yes. <laughs> I have a lot of tricks, a lot of things. Um, yeah, it's like you literally the most bizarre things just come to you and you need to figure it out. And you just either make it up or learn these most obscure tricks and <laughs> things. And, and you're saying all this with like a smile on your I know. face. Your eyes are like I'm lit reminiscing. up. You're reminiscing. The days I made fake cocaine. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> but I think what's interesting is like, you thrive in this, it seems. Yeah. You're I mean, animated. You're like, I had to find a goat in 12 hours. So life. there is something <laughs> about being <clears throat> a magician or an illusionist mm-hmm. in, in a producer. Like, you yeah. have to know a lot of people, and your mm-hmm. contacts and network must be really important yeah. in order to get things done quickly. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, any other magic tricks you've learned to, uh, along the way? You said something before this about, like, a rose. Oh, you yes. You were in a video. So for anyone wondering... Flowers don't light on fire very easily, and I know that from firsthand experience. Okay, I, we need to know <laughs> so this. So that started. That was on set of another music video. Um, it was. Can I? Do I say names? You can say the name if you yeah, want. Yeah, I don't know. So this was an Avril Lavigne music video. Um, was sorry, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Mm. Wish you were here. So this was from an Avril Lavigne music video, and it was "Wish You Were Here" was the name of the song, and the whole song, like the whole music video, she's sitting on the floor in like this abandoned looking building trying to, I'm not trying, she's, she is lighting a rose on fire, but it took a lot of us trying to get to light a rose on fire to make this happen. So we were like buying gallons, or not gallons, like the, you know, those tanks of gasoline that you like fill up yeah. to have as like a backup. Mm. So we had multiple like cans of gasoline and we were dousing, like literally dipping <laughs> The whole, like, head of a rose in gasoline. It's The whole set smelled so bad. It was just, like, everything. Like, don't drop a match. Don't light a cigarette. That like, sounds horribly dangerous. I know. <clears throat> but then in the video, she's literally, like, striking a match and lighting roses on fire. And we're just like, oh, God. Like, every time she, like, struck a match, we're like, please, please don't blow up the place. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you must have so many other stories. I'm sure There's after a lot of this recording... Things. You're going to go home and be like, oh, what about that story? What about that story? I'll have to do part two. <laughs> yeah, we'll do part two. So you've already kind of touched on a number of things that I thought were, was mm-hmm. interesting. When I was going to ask you, like, do you have backup plans? How many backup plans? Everything's so fast-paced that you don't have time to not have a backup plan. So if something mm. doesn't work out or goes rogue, you don't have time to you be have like... To quickly switch gears. Yeah, so you need to have, like, a backup plan or two ready at your disposal, like, immediately, just because you're burning hours. Like, you need to keep rolling to get things done. So it's definitely... Always have a backup plan. <laughs> and do you find that you still have operate with that mentality on the in the ad agency world as well? It's definitely more chaotic on the production company side because it's they're the ones dealing with the fires, whereas on the agency side, you're the one telling them there is a fire <laughs> and they have to deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing. Um, for any aspiring producers that mm-hmm. are listening and wondering, you know, what does it take or how do I do this? Do you have any words of wisdom for someone who's looking to be a producer? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say definitely get in as many different types of projects and jobs as you can because it is so different. Like, it's not just production is production. Like, it's different worlds. Like, a video, a music video is totally different than a commercial, which is totally different than, like, 
a brand video or a stock video. Like there's so many different types of production. And also I would say to start from the bottom because there's a lot of people, especially this is more in LA than here, but they know someone or like they're, you know, have ties to people. So they'll get jobs higher up without ever having to work their way up. And then they don't know how things work from the bottom. So I feel like the more, if you start in at the bottom as like an intern and PA and then production coordinator and line producer and just like keep moving up, then you have more of just like a respect for everyone and you know what goes into it. You know, you're not just like, oh, PAs are just there to get coffee. You're like, no, PAs friggin' put their asses on the line. They're like first ones in and last ones out. I don't know. I think PAs don't get enough credit. <laughs> yeah. They should be paid way more. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. They're doing yeah. a lot. Um, so at Small Army, we have what we call a moral of the story, which mm-hmm. is sort of, which we would say is the core belief that a brand holds true and it's a shared belief with their audience that they also mm-hmm. believe it. And it's also somewhat unique uh, kind of in the industry. Yeah. And we ask a lot of people at the agency, you know, what is their moral of the story? Do you have a moral for your, for the Janelle, no. <laughs> Janelle story or like a belief that you try to live by? Be nice and work hard. And I would say in that order because hmm. nobody wants to work with a dick. If you're a pleasant person, people will want to work with you and you can always learn skills as you go. But if you're not a pleasant person, no one's going to want to work with you no matter how good you are at your job. And I feel like relationships are such a huge deal in this industry because it's all everything's a huge team effort all the time so i just feel like if you can be pleasant and be good at your job then it just makes everything way easier and everyone wants to help each other so i think that's always a good moral to stand by (laughs) that's great what a wonderful perspective thanks (laughs) thanks uh janelle it has been a delight to hear these stories i feel like we could talk for like another hour yeah i have lots of stories (laughs) to hear more about all your the escapades of the music video world and commercial world and I'm sure you have many stories but I want to thank you for being on the show and you know sharing your experience and uh, I hope to hear more stories in the future yeah anytime okay thanks (laughs) thank you Humans Behind the Ads is sponsored and produced by Small Army check us out on Twitter at Humans Behind the Ads remember we're all human see you next time